0: This morning's reading is uh, from Matthew uh, chapter eight from verse 28 to Matthew chapter nine, verse 34. You'll find the reading in your leaflet and also on the overhead. When he arrived on the other side of the region of the Gardarenes, two demon possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. "'What do you want with us, Son of God?' they shouted. "'Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time?' Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, "'If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs.' He said to them, "'Go.' So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water." Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned to her and Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, Go away, the girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him, and the crowd had been put aside. He went went in and took the girl by hand, and she got up. News of this spread through that whole region. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked, and uh, he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke the crowd was amazed and said nothing like this has ever been seen in israel but the pharisee said it is the prince of demons that he drives out demons
1: well good morning my name's scott uh welcome if you're with us for the first time today it's great to have you here with us uh now this morning i'm only going to be covering the first half of that passage that we just read uh, and after the sermon, there'll be some time to ask questions and say, so if there's anything from the second part that we haven't touched on that you want to ask about, you can, or anything that uh, comes up as we uh, look at this passage this morning, uh, there'll be an opportunity to ask some questions as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And we pray that right now as we read it, that we will not only understand it, but that we will come to realise just how great Jesus is and how great what he's done for us is. Amen. Well, uh, have you ever had someone turn up earlier than expected? Uh, Once last year, I was uh, just sort of mucking about the house, had the kids, you know, the house was a mess, just in a normal kind of typical state, uh, when a doorbell rang. And I opened the door and there was a friend who lived four hours away standing at the door, Uh, with two big bags, Uh, and it took me all of about three seconds to kind of dawn on me that uh, he was coming to visit next weekend, or so we thought. Uh, Apparently, we'd written the wrong date in our calendar, and he was actually coming to stay with us that weekend. Uh, Well, he could tell straight away that I didn't have a clue what was going on, Uh, but thankfully, he was a good enough friend that we all had a good laugh about it. Uh, We had nothing ready for dinner. Uh, The bed wasn't made. Uh, he and I ended up going to takeaway while Keeley put some things together at home. But have you ever had that happen? you ever had someone turn up earlier than you expected? Maybe you had a party at a certain time and they turn up an hour early and you're not quite ready. Still haven't cleaned the toilet. You still haven't tidied the house. You know, it, it catches you off guard, doesn't it? Well, that's exactly the problem that a few demons had when Jesus turned up. See, these demons... Well, they were expecting Jesus, but just not yet. And for these demons, they were not prepared. And they ask the question, our first point, Jesus, why are you so early? Now, kids, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, remember you've got that uh, outline to fill out. And if you fill it out and bring it to me later, I've got some yummy treats for you. That's our first one. Why are you so early? Now, I think as Westerners, uh, we often turn our nose up at the idea of demons. I think we, uh, there are people who try and pass it off, oh, you know, what's all that demon stuff in the Bible? Well, some people say, oh, it was just mental illness. Maybe it was some kind of psychosis or schizophrenia or something. But when we look at what happened here, and we look at these two men possessed by the demons, we realize that it can't be that. It has to be something different. Have a look at verse 28. When he arrived at the other side, in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Now, two other people, Mark and Luke, also recorded this story, this event. And when they record it, they tell us that these two men were so strong that no one could control them. So strong, in fact, that even when they'd been put in chains and irons, they would break the chains and break the irons off their feet and off their wrists. See, this kind of superhuman strength can't be explained, can it, Uh, by just a mental illness. Now, what we're talking about is real supernatural beings, real demons, who have given these men this incredible strength, but also, just it's been horrible. They're living out in the tombs Uh, These men are incredibly tormented by these demons. And back in Jesus' day, this wasn't just some freak event. It's not like no one had heard of demons before, or they'd heard of demons, it was just a fairy tale, and the disciples came back and said, oh, guess what, we just saw demons out. No, this was a well-known event. You could have gone there, you could have talked to the people who'd guarded them, you could have talked to the townspeople, you could have talked to the people with the pigs. You could have, in Jesus' day, gone and done your homework And there were plenty of people who knew these men. Actually, you could have gone and met these men after they'd been healed of the demons. See, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about demons, except that they exist. And I guess that most of us here in Australia haven't come into contact with demons, but Jesus actually met demons quite a few times. And what's remarkable here isn't the fact that there are demons. What's remarkable is the fact of what the demons said. See what they said. What do you want to do with us, son of God? Now these demons, they're not like us. They didn't, they're not born and live for 70, 80, 90 years and die. These demons had been around since the beginning of creation. They had actually stood in heaven, before God. They had seen God. They had seen God the Son. They had been there from the beginning, well, not from the beginning, from, they were created, sorry. They had been there in heaven before they rebelled against God and before God kicked them out of heaven. And so when they come face to face with Jesus, they know exactly who this is who's standing in front of them. They know that this Ordinary man who got off a stinky fishing boat is actually the son of God. He's actually the same son who they had seen on the throne in heaven. He's actually the son who had created them and created everything. And they could recognise that this is the son of God who had cast them out of heaven when they rebelled. See, they know who Jesus is. But what they can't figure out is why Jesus is standing before them at this very time. Have a look again at verse 28. What do you want with us, Son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? See, for the demons, it's all about timing. They knew Jesus would come, but they didn't understand why Jesus had come now and in this way. See, from very early on, God had promised through his prophets that actually his, at the appointed time, his son would come. And his son would come in glory and power and might, riding on the clouds. That his son would come to destroy evil, to judge the world, to put an end to the mess, the sickness, the suffering, the sadness, the death, the pain. And at that time, he would put an end to his enemy, Satan. He would put an end to the demons and to evil. He would judge them and torment them. See, the demons knew that Jesus the Son would come. But when he comes, he will come in glory and might and power. But here is the Son of God, not on the clouds in glory and might, but just humbly walking around and riding in smelly fishing boats. Here is the Son of God not judging the world, but gently embracing and welcoming filthy sinners. And here is the Son of God not blasting evil with a sword from his mouth, but speaking in parables and proclaiming the good news. See, they can see that this is the Son of God, but they can also see that he hasn't come to judge. He hasn't come at the appointed time. He's come earlier than they were expecting. And because he's come earlier, they're they're confused. Why have you come early, Jesus? What have you come here for? They're confused and they're terrified. Jesus, why are you here so early? You know, I think we probably don't realise it, but I think we have a very similar question. I think that often we're puzzled by the fact that Jesus came. He was here in the world. He showed that he had power uh, to fix things. But then he left, and the world's pretty much just as messy as it ever was. I think often we think, well, hang on, you were here, Jesus. Why didn't you just fix everything then? Why do we have to wait? Why didn't you bring heaven now, then Why didn't you get rid of sickness and sadness and war and death? Why did you come early, Jesus, if you didn't come to fix everything? See, we share that question. And the demons ask that question and notice Jesus doesn't answer them. He actually doesn't tell them why he came early. Instead, he drives the demons out of the man and into the pigs and he leaves them in the world to continue causing havoc, to continue wreaking evil upon the world. And just in case you're still thinking that it's just a a mental health problem, how do you explain suddenly a whole herd of pigs racing off into the lake and drowning themselves? No, they're real demons with a real question. Jesus, why have you come early? Why have you come before the appointed time? Why have you come now if you haven't come to fix everything. Well, Jesus gives us the answer in what he does next. And our second point is that Jesus came early. Kids, I wonder if anyone can guess. To, what do you reckon? To, yep, Andrew? Well, finished, very good. Not quite. He came early to forgive sinners. Very good, you can write that one down. Have a look at chapter 9, verse 1. Well, straight away, Jesus stepped into the boat and he crossed right back over the lake to where he'd come. He came to his own town and some men brought him a paralysed man lying on a mat. Now, it's, obviously, it's obvious why this man has come to Jesus, isn't it? He can't walk. He's paralysed. And what's he come to Jesus for? What does he want Jesus to do for him? Heal him. Yeah, it's, it's really obvious. This man couldn't get up, he couldn't walk, he couldn't work, he couldn't earn money. He probably hates laying around on a mat all day begging. And he's come to Jesus to get his body fixed. He, he's come to Jesus because he's heard about Jesus' amazing miracles. He's heard about how Jesus is an incredible healer who has power and authority to make sick people well. He's probably heard about other paralysed people who are able to start walking and leaping and jumping when they never could before. And he must have felt so excited when finally he's in front of Jesus and Jesus looked at him and smiled at him and said, take heart, son. Be encouraged. You've made it. But then you have to wonder if he felt a little bit ripped off with what Jesus said next. Take heart, son. Be healed. No, he doesn't say be healed. Your sins are forgiven. And I reckon just like those demons that this man and his friends were probably a bit confused. What are you talking about sins for, Jesus? Why didn't he heal my body? Can't you see what my biggest problem is? Can't you see why I'm here? I've come to you so you can fix my body. But Jesus is actually doing something really important. Jesus is actually doing something that shows and tells us why he has come early. Jesus is showing us why he is here if he hasn't come to fix all the problems. See, Jesus is showing us that our biggest problem is not sickness. That man's biggest problem is not that his body doesn't work. That man's biggest problem was his sin. Now, what do you think your biggest problem is? I know if I think about, you know, that kind of test of, you know, not just what you would say if you answered the question, but what are the things that you think about all the time? What are the things that bother you all the time? The things that you constantly find yourself thinking, if only, if I just, oh, God, why don't you? And see, I think when we, we think about that, what are our greatest? what do we think our greatest problems are? Well, if you're someone that's, that's been sick for a long time, it's very easy to think sickness is our biggest problem. If just God would fix my sickness and make me better. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe you just feel really lonely. If just God would give me a really good friend. If just God would give me that special someone that I can spend my life with. Maybe it's the way you see yourself. I just hate myself. If just God would change me or if there's nothing wrong with me but I just can't get it in my head, if just God would let me see that it's okay. Maybe it's money. I just never seem to have enough. I'm always struggling. It's just this problem. You know, I just want to get by without having to worry all the time. Maybe, particularly if you're getting older, maybe you see your biggest problem is death. as it gets closer and closer and you know that you've got fewer and fewer days left well death is just an end to everything to all our plans to all our relationships see we think that al- there are lots of things that we think are our biggest problems but these are actually just symptoms they're just kind of the sores on the surface and they make life awful now but sin makes life awful for all eternity See, sin is the sickness underneath that causes all these symptoms. Sin is our greatest problem. Now, I don't know if you've ever wondered why Christians talk so much about sin. Often, uh, we Christians get accused of, well, why are you always fussing about sin? Why don't you actually do something? Why don't you actually fix some problems? Come on, you Christians. Why don't you spend more time dealing with hunger and inequality and racism and and the the real social problems of the world. And as Christians, we do care about those things, just like Jesus. Whenever Jesus came face to face with someone who was sick or unwell or in need, Jesus helped him, didn't he? But just like Jesus, we need to recognise that those aren't our biggest problems. Sin is our biggest problem. See, because... We have rebelled against God. That's what sin is. Just like those demons, we have no right to stand before God. Because of our sin, our rebellion, we can't stand before a holy God. We can't be in relationship with him. We can't be in his presence. And just like those demons, we cannot come into heaven. We're cast out because of our sin. And because of our rebellion, it means that when Jesus does come at the appointed time, when he does come to judge, all we deserve is judgment. See, as big as our other problems are, they're nothing compared to sin. And so if Jesus came and he he took away all those other problems, if he made this world wonderful, like a heaven on earth, but he left the problem underneath he left the sin it'd be like he just stuck a band-aid over our symptoms and left the cancer that's killing us and if we as christians focus on social issues and we didn't focus on the biggest problem the need for forgiveness for sin it'd be like we came and found people tied up on the train tracks and they were complaining that their knots were uncomfortable so we fixed up the ropes to make them more comfortable but left them tied to the tracks sin is our biggest problem now uh, who's ever heard the term Google doctor have you ha, who's ever you know suffered some symptoms and gotten on the internet and gone into Google to you know Google your symptoms and you try and diagnose what your problem is you know come on be honest yeah we all have now the thing I, real doctors hate When people do that, because people often come in thinking they've got all sorts of weird and wild, you know, diseases, uh, when usually it's just something pretty normal. Often people misdiagnose themselves. And I think as humans, we play Google Doctor with our whole lives. We, We misdiagnose what our biggest problem is all the time. And so I wonder, have you misdiagnosed yourself? Are you living in such a way that shows that actually you think your biggest problem is not sin? Are you living in such a way that you think your biggest problem is something else? Sickness or war or health or sadness or loneliness or guilt or whatever these things are. Are you living as if something else is your biggest problem? Do you feel ripped off? That Jesus hasn't healed you? Do you feel ripped off? That you're struggling financially? Do you feel annoyed with God? That you're feeling alone? Or maybe you've just misdiagnosed what your greatest problem is. Maybe Maybe in focusing on those things, you're actually missing the greatest thing that Jesus could have ever done for you and did for you. See, Jesus came early to deal with sin. Jesus came early before the judgment so that he can forgive us and we can escape the judgment when he comes. Jesus came before the judgment to save sinners. But how do we know that he did? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 6. Just after meeting a paralyzed man, uh, the paralyzed man, just after proclaiming that his sins are forgiven, he says this, I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man just got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. See, Jesus healed the man, not because that was the man's greatest problem, but he healed the man to prove that Jesus is the one who has authority to forgive sin. Now, some people do claim that if you have faith in Jesus, Jesus will heal all your sickness. Some people do claim that Jesus will put an end to your hardship, your pain, your loneliness, your financial difficulties. Well, he will actually, just not yet. It's not time yet for Jesus to fix everything. No, but it was time for him to fix the heart of the problem. See, all those people that Jesus healed got sick again. Even this little girl and Lazarus and the people Jesus raised from the dead, they died again. And those, those demons that Jesus cast out of the men into the pigs are still running around the world and they've probably gone and possessed people again. Those miracles were a foretaste of the day that he will come and fix things, everything, forever. Those miracles prove that Jesus is the good doctor who can deal with our greatest problem. And it's a good thing that he came early to forgive sinners because we are all sick. We are all sick. Um, I'm sure most of us know one or two individuals, usually men, let's be honest, uh, who refuse to go to the doctors, you know. Maybe there might be a few sitting here in the room, you know. Wives, stop nudging your husbands. See, there are people who refuse to go to the doctors, don't they? And, and every now and then we hear about some one of those people who's just never gone to the doctor's, and then one day, they're just struck down terribly. They get carted off in an ambulance. They go to the hospital. They run some tests. And they say to them, look, you know, you've got cancer. You've got whatever. If you'd, if you'd gone to the doctor, we would have picked this up. And we could have helped you. But it's too late now. We all know stories like that, don't we? We all know people who've gotten sick. And we probably, lots of us probably know people who'd still be alive today if they'd just gone to the doctor's from time to time see all people get sick all people need a physical earthly human doctor and all people need a real doctor but the Pharisees here the teachers of the law that Jesus came face to face with they were the kind of people who think they didn't need a doctor they were kind of people that thought there was nothing wrong with them they didn't have a sin problem And when they saw Jesus hanging out with people who obviously had a sin problem, people who obviously had all the symptoms, who obviously were sinners, these Pharisees and teachers of the law, they laughed. Their question for Jesus wasn't, hey Jesus, why are you here? Their question for Jesus is, why on earth are you hanging out with them? Why are you having parties with these people who lie and cheat and steal and harm other people? And this is what Jesus had to say, verse 12. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. And he quotes a bit of the Bible, a bit of the Old Testament from Hosea. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, the Pharisees, they wanted that time to come. They wanted judgment. They wanted a son of God who would come and judge and destroy and smash the sinners. They wanted a son of God who would come and say, hey, you guys, you guys are great. You guys don't have a sin problem. You guys are awesome. Come over here and you guys are the only ones at the party. See, they wanted to look out and laugh and look down at all the sinners being tormented and judged. But Jesus shows them here with this little quote that these Bible experts had misunderstood the Bible. Jesus gives them a little Bible lesson from Hosea that even though they were the ones who offered lots of sacrifices, they showed that they couldn't show mercy. Even though they were the ones who went about working really hard to do the right thing, even though they were the ones who thought they were well and everyone else was sick. The reality is, Jesus shows that they were sick. Everyone is sick. Everyone needs a doctor to deal with sin. And we can be just like the Pharisees, can't we? We can think that there are the sick people out there. They're the sinners. But we're okay. We're not the sick ones. But we are all sick with sin. And do you know, just a few verses earlier in that that passage that he quoted from Hosea, actually Hosea told us how Jesus was going to deal with our sickness. Listen to this. He will bind up our wounds. That means he'll heal us. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will restore us so that we can live in his presence. So in that verse that Jesus had quoted in that passage was a little hint, a little clue, a little promise that Jesus would come early to forgive sinners. And the way that he would do it was by dying in our place, taking the judgment we deserve for our sin. And on the third day, he would rise again. On the third day, he would rise so that we can live with God. So that we can have our sin dealt with forever. So that our greatest problem can be gone. See, Jesus didn't let the symptoms distract him from the real sickness. And that's what makes Jesus a good doctor. So as we see suffering, as we see sickness, as we see war, as we see the devil at work in our world, we might be tempted to think that that's the real problem. But let us remind us that actually Jesus dealt with our biggest problem and he's coming back and will bring an end to sickness and suffering and death and pain forever.